Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. This morning, if you have your Bibles, I would like to encourage you to turn with me into the New Testament. We'll actually be reading out of the book of James in just a few moments. But I want to speak today on a series of thoughts that have been in my heart for a while. And I don't always preach in series. There have been years and months and seasons that I have preached in a series format. Sometimes Sunday morning and only or Sunday morning followed by Wednesday midweek. And I want to share something that has been in my heart. And this past week we had an opportunity to get away for a few days and um, went to Tennessee and just got away with our family a little bit. And it had been since, I think, February or March when all of this began to take place and we began to transition that uh, none of us knew what church was going to look like. Some of you didn't know what your work was going to look like. You didn't know what school was going to look like. And some of us are still wondering, what's all of this going to look like? And it has been a season that has been tough. Not complaining this morning, very thankful and I also want to give honor to all of the teams who have been serving in our reopening crew, whether it's the IT, video, media, audio, worship, all of those folks. And if they're in the building today, I want them to stand and I want you to give them a God bless you. All of that are serving. Amen. All of our folks, we give him honor. Ushers and greeters have been part of our reopening crew. We didn't know how that was going to work, but I'm happy to tell you a lot of our equipment has come in, the fogging machines, the clean seats, and also are preparing us to uh, keep classrooms even extra tidy, as well as more hand sanitizing stations. All of those things that we just love to talk about because they're real spiritual. All of that's in place. But these teams have been allowing us to get registered and get folks uh, to RSVP their seat, giving us during this particular moment, this season of our church, uh, making sure everyone is where they're supposed to be. And I I shared with the team this morning out in the hallway that, you know, people won't go to a church if there's not order. If, If there's chaos and people running around and doing whatever they want, you won't feel comfortable coming to a place like that. You will want to go to a place where things are in order. You can have order and freedom at the same time. Now, the Bible said that God is a God of order, and everything that he does is in order. And so we operate that way here at Bethel. Our ushers, they may seat you somewhere you don't like, but we don't throw a stink. We don't say, I don't want to sit there. We just are glad to be anywhere. So we'll just sit where they tell us. But we're a people that that worship God and flow and whatever's happening. And this team has just done a phenomenal job in helping us to continue going forward. And so we look forward to the better things that are coming. One of the things that I shared with the team a few weeks ago was this, is that God wants us to honor him with our time, our talent, and our treasure. And so this morning, I want to speak today on the thought of T3, maximizing your life. And I'm going to hinge around the thought of maximizing three areas of your life. I won't get to all of them in depth, but I want to speak about maximizing your life as a T3 Christian. 
as a T3 leader. And it's been in my spirit even this past week while we were able to uh, put our feet up and only had one bear sighting and had to, and I got a little bit on video of a bear barking and howling and eating trash. And uh, it was quite an experience. So that was my big adventure for the week of seeing a bear. But in this moment of just being able to relax and to put my feet up for like four days and to say, God, uh, whatever you want to speak to me in this season, speak to me. And one of the things that he brought back to remembrance was the thought of the time and the talent and the treasure of which we have hammered on and we have been talking about in depth that God wants to get uh, maximum glory out of your life. I'm going to say that again. God wants to get maximum glory out of your life. Uh, the max out of your life. Amen? He wants to get the very most. It's like a toothpaste tube. How many know you, uh, you just squeeze it till you get it all out? And, and if you're a teenager or if you're someone who's never had to buy your own supplies and you just kind of just use whatever and discard this, discard that, if you're the one buying the toothpaste, how many know you rolling it up, you squishing it down? How many know what I'm talking about? Some of you, and, and then, and, and, and in it the same way with deodorant. I mean, this ain't in my nose. Um, but can I just say, have you ever been in such a pinch of time or, or forgot to go to the store and you end up having to use your wife's deodorant? Come on now. Or any ladies have to use their husband's deodorant? Nobody's going to raise their hand. But we all know. When it's you, the one buying stuff, you will make it last. And you always appreciate the things that you had to pay for. Amen? You try to get the maximum use out of it the maximum use you might have a pair of socks that you like and they've got holes in it but you're like it's okay I can still wear them or a shoe that's got a heel torn or a sole that's just not attached anymore and you're like I'm going to get the most out of it we're trying to get the maximum out of the things that we have and one of the reasons is because it costs you and anything that doesn't cost you anything you can walk away from easily. But whatever costs you, you won't walk away easily from what you've given blood, sweat, and tears for. That'll preach to somebody. God wants to get the maximum glory out of my life. My time brings him glory. My talent brings him glory. My treasure brings him glory. And so the yielding the return, the yielding of all three must be offered up to God in order for him to get the glory and for you to get the good. All three, say time, talent, treasure. That's T3. And I shared recently that I believe that God wants us to offer him or return to him an equal proportion of these areas in our life. Now, when it comes to treasure, most of us understand the principle of Scripture, 10% is the tithe that belongs unto the Lord. That's not Russell Hilton's version. That's the Bible version. Somebody said, well, pastor, that's the law. No, tithing was introduced 400 years before the law was ever given. Abraham tithed to Melchizedek, the priest, and God returned unto him blessing and favor. 400 years before Moses ever received the law. So we cannot say that tithing is a law principle. 
It is an Old Testament principle that Jesus reiterated to us in the law of sowing and reaping as well as in the form of taking care of the house. Malachi would speak to us in the end of the Old Testament in the last chapter And again, there would be 400 years of silence from the time of the writing of Malachi until the New Testament before Jesus comes on the scene where the word of God would say, prove me with the tithe and see that I'll open up the window of heaven. So tithe by definition, and I like to talk about tithe because when you start talking about money, people start squirming and start holding onto their wallet and clutching their purse and like... We get funny when we start talking about our money. It's interesting. We spend everybody else's money, but when it's ours, like that tube of toothpaste, we squeeze it, we hold on to it tightly. And so I I put the, the statement out to our team that God wants us to give him an equal proportion. If he would say that I desire of you the 10%, bring to me that. You can't give what's his. You have to bring it. You can give an offering, but you bring a tithe. You can give an offering, but you bring a tithe because you can't give what's not yours to give. You have to bring what is his. You return it to him. And then the 10% sanctifies the 90, according to the scripture. And so is it fair to say that God would desire from Bethel Family Worship Center, the believers in this house, that we would hold to even a small smidgen of a percentage To say that if God would say, I desire for you to bring me the 10% in your treasure, would it be fair to say that at the minimum, we would bring 10% of our time and 10% of our talent? I don't have time to do a T4 series. I could, I guess. And I could also include the temple in there. That God wants your temple as well. It's real quiet when you start talking about the temple. Especially when you're talking about exercise and eating right. Preach in there, drums. Because we don't want to talk about those things. But I'm just going to focus on the three that the yielding of all three, in my opinion, is a benefit to God when we offer to him the time, the talent, and the treasure. And I shared that recently with our church. It boils down to the word stewardship. And I want to give you a definition of stewardship from Brother Webster this morning. And Brother Webster said that it is the conducting, the supervising, or the managing of something. So when you say that you are a steward of something, it says that you are conducting, you are supervising, or you are managing something. There is an old philosophy, an old English term when you use the word stewardship, it derives from the word steward, of which steward in that day was considered an occupation where you were the steward of someone's home, or you were the steward of someone's uh, possessions. In other words, you conducted business for them. You uh, managed for them. And so when you begin to look at the, the, the concept of stewardship, we have to ask ourselves, are we stewarding our time, our talent, and our treasure in the direction of the one who has given us all three? Am I stewarding my time, my talent, and my treasure in the direction of the one who gave me all three? Am I living what we call this a T3 life with my time, my talent, and my treasure? And if I could give you a visual, this is what it would look like on the screen. A time, my talent, and my treasure are the components of a T3 life. Can I say to you that the Father created me with gifts? 
that the Son gifted me with life, blessed me with the gift of salvation, and the Holy Spirit comes along and releases all the spiritual gifts down inside of me. And when I seem to be like Jesus, that makes me a giver, not a taker. You can't be like Jesus and be a taker only. You can't be like Jesus and just stand in line with your hand out and think everybody owes you. We all know someone in our family that think everybody owes them. They owe me. What are you doing it for me? What's in it for me? What about me? That someone else gets a present, they think, well, what about me? How many know you can bless someone else and not be disrespectful to another person? You can be a giver, not a taker. It's not wrong to take as long as you also give. But we all know that there are some people that steal what you're giving away. Years ago when we first began doing food pantry outreaches and opening our doors and on a certain night of the week folks would come in from the community and we would have all this food prepared and all these bags and boxes and we would have people come through for prayer and sign up and we would distribute accordingly. And I remember in the restrooms that Pastor Bev had set up all these baskets. Now, in the men's restroom, we had things like mouthwash and mints and, and really men didn't need much other than that other than a good uh, air freshener. But in the ladies' restroom, there were things that we won't mention, and there were uh, 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 this is real dainty things, you know, and lotions. And men aren't interested in lotions that smell like cucumber. But in the women's room, they had all these things, and I'll never forget after the very first night of our food pantry outreach, then when we were cleaning up and putting everything back together, we went and inspected the restrooms, and they had wiped us out. And that made me think, people will steal what you're giving away. Taking more toilet paper than you need. Come on, somebody. That's a whole nother message. But what I want you to understand is that we can't be just a taker. We have to be a giver. You can't be like Jesus and be a taker only. If you're like Jesus, you're going to be a giver. Are you hearing me? Turn with me, if you will, into the New Testament to the book of James. In James chapter 1 and verse 17, I want to read a familiar verse, and it's loaded with great meat. And this verse, James says this, that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. I love this verse and I want you to look at it deeper with me where the Bible said that every good and perfect gift cometh from above. From the Father of lights in whom there is no variables, there is no shadow of turning. I'm reading this passage from the King James Version but I want you to catch every syllable, every consonant in this, every description, every phrase because descriptively he tells us what kind of gift it is. Descriptively, what kind of gift is it? It is a good gift and it is a perfect gift. So descriptively, James tells us he describes the gift as good and he describes the gift as perfect. Somebody say good and say perfect. 
descriptively, what kind is it? Good and perfect. But then he gives us the geographic of it. Geographically, where did it come from? It came from above. It didn't come from down. It came from above. Descriptively, it's good and perfect. Geographically, it's from above. I don't have to wonder what direction it come from because he said it cometh from above. And then personally, he describes who it's coming from. He calls God the father of lights. So he said descriptively, the gift that he gives you is good and it's perfect. Geographically, it comes from above and personally, it comes from the father of lights. So every gift, that I have down inside of me and you have down inside of you, not just the obvious ones, but every gift. Not just the things that we see, but the gifts that are internal. The gifts that really people don't uh, maybe comprehend or see entirely. Every gift you have, come on, down inside of you, even the ones that you walk past and ignore, even the ones that you don't give much merit to. The Bible says it comes from where? It comes from above. It comes from who? The Father of lights. Notice that this verse also says, with whom is no variableness and neither shadow of turning. I want to hinge on this for a minute because God says, according to the book of James in verse 17, that the gift I give you is good, it's perfect, it comes from above, you don't have to wonder where it's coming from, and it comes from the Father of lights. And then he begins to describe the Father of lights. It's interesting that he would contrast light with shadow, and he would contrast light with variableness when he begins to describe to us what kind of giver gives us these gifts. He is the father of not darkness, but the father of light. And the Bible says that in him, there is no variableness and there is no shadow of turning. And I begin to understand what James was writing here when he's talking about God, because God says, I don't change. There is no variableness in me. You don't have to vary here or vary there. There is no variableness in me. I am who I am. What I say, I say. What I do, I do. Everything that God does, he does with precision and with laser articulation. He is a God who stands all by himself in need of no committee, in need of no amen, in need of no mass. Can I preach in here? In need of nobody to tell him yay or they. He is a God who has stood the test of time. He spoke out of nothing until something came. He is a God in whom there is no variableness. He said, I do not change. I hear the writer said, I'm the same yesterday, the same today, and the same tomorrow, forevermore. That's the God who declared himself a God that there is no variableness in. And then he said, there is no shifting in me. There's no turning in me. There's no changing in me. There's no switching in me. I am God and beside me there is no other. God 
could tell you today I have never had a fluctuation. I've never been so rigid. I've never been so beyond your reach that I couldn't be touched by the feeling of your infirmity. I am who I am. God said I'm God all by myself. If I decree it, it shall be so. My gifts and my callings are without repentance. Why? Because I am a God in whom there is no changing or variableness. If I gave you my word on it, my word will stand. I'd like to preach in here and tell you in the year of 2020, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Somebody ought to thank God that you can still stand on this word. God said, if I called you, I called you. If I told you I wanted you, I wanted you. If I told you I need you, I need you. I know we're used to shaky people. I know we're used to people who are like Reuben, unstable as water. I know we're used to people giving their word to you and breaking it before they end the sentence. I know we live in a time where people will love you today and hate you tomorrow, applaud you today and crucify you tomorrow. But he said, I'm not like them. There is no variableness in me. There is no shadow. Not only do I not turn, there is no shadow. Even my shadow don't turn, my God. Even my shadow don't turn. That's why he said neither is there shadow of turning. You can trace me. You can know and count on me. I'll be where I said I'll be. If I told you I'd walk into your room, then rest assured God will walk into your room. If God said I'll be your, if you're, I'll be your uh, defense attorney, then rest assured when you go before the judge, Jesus uh, will be your defense attorney. He said, in me there is no variableness and in me there is no shadow of turning. And I come to encourage the church in this century to tell you that no matter what's coming, it don't matter what came across this world, doesn't even matter that we're in a pandemic. Is he still God? Is he still God of healing? Is he still Jehovah Jireh, the God that will provide? Somebody ought to praise God. I don't have to live in defeat or fear and wonder what's coming next. I don't know what coming next but I know who holds my next and my next is God who said that in me there is no variableness and there is no shadow of turning. Somebody ought to praise God this morning that he has stood with you even when you changed he did not. Wouldn't it be a tragedy to squander your gift to have it and to waste it? To know that he has not changed his mind, but yet we do every day. Wouldn't it be a terrible for a stable God to love an unstable you? And then you just squander his gift. You'd be shocked at the people who squander the gift. It's one thing to not recognize your gift. It's another thing to recognize your gift and then underutilize your gift. To waste your gift. To misappropriate your gift. 
The squandering of a gift is a terrible thing. And it always ends on a sad tone. Do you remember the story of the faithful father, also known as the prodigal son? When he said, Father, give me my gift. Give me what's mine. Give me the portion that belongs to me. I want it right now. And the Bible said that this young man took his gift and went into a far country and he squandered the gift and he wasted the gift and he used that gift to entertain people who had no appreciation for who he was. Because some people won't appreciate you. They only want what you can give them. They only want what you can do for them. And the moment you stop doing for them is the moment that they're done with you. Can I hear a Holy Ghost amen from anybody with a lifetime of experience? I don't care how many degrees you've got. I want to know, do you got any experience? Do you, I would rather hire somebody who has got experience than necessarily somebody who came out of college who don't even have a clue. Can I get a smile from somebody? I'm for education, but sometimes you just got to learn how to walk it out and you don't always get a degree in college to get that I don't know who I'm helping here but you have to walk it out and let God add to you little by little every jot every tittle you let God add to you line upon line and precept upon precept till you come out on the other side and say I don't only know who I am I know whose I am I'm a child of the most high God I feel like preaching this morning and yet this guy he gave all his money away to people who did not appreciate who he was. He wasted his gifts. But before we get angry and we crucify him, I'm wondering if there aren't some prodigal son in some of us today. Did you take what God gave you and waste it? Maybe you've wasted it for years and now you're waking up at another season of your life and you're thinking, wow, I could have done so much more than I was. I could have been more. I could have done more. But I squandered my gift. You see, in my life, I've met people who were gifted. I've met people in prison. I went to pray for people in prison. I went behind bars to pray for people in jail. I've prayed for people in homeless shelters, people who could write, people who could sing people who could draw, people who could build, people who could buy. Some of them were educated and some of them were intellectual and some of them just had natural giftings under themselves. And although they were gifted, I wondered when I walked away from them, how on earth did you end up here? You have all these gifts in your prison. You have all these talents and you're not utilizing any of them. You've lost everything that you have. How did you end up here? And part of me realizes that they never recognize how to use their gift to gain. Hear me, church. They had a million dollar gift with a welfare mindset. 
And I'm here to declare to somebody they didn't know what to do with what they had. If I could provoke you and even get some of you to get upset at me, I would say, good, it's working. Because I want to provoke you to a point where you don't sit by and let your gifts be squandered. You say, but pastors, there's not much I can do right now. You know, we're in a COVID situation. We're in a pandemic. Oh, no, 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 no. The gifts and the calling of God, they are without repentance. On Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, springtime, wintertime, fall time, summertime. Every time you open up the door, you can see the hand of God giving you an opportunity. That's what makes this message important because it's about what you do with what you have. I'm preaching to somebody today because even if all you have is time, what are you going to do with the time you have? You got to understand many of us have squandered the gifts that God has given us. We've made all kinds of excuses for it but we're wasting our gift and then we blame people for it but we've wasted the gift how in the world hear me church are you going to let somebody who did something to you when you were five years old and now you're 50 and you're still suffering come on I'm not making light excuse me though that's just too much power to give somebody over top of me I'm not going to live in the regret of what somebody did to me 50 years later I'm going to rise up out of the ash heap and declare I have a calling and I have a gift on my life. I will be like the sun is said, I will arise and I will go back to my father's house. I'll go back and get out of this. I will, I will, I will, I will. I will arise and go back. I've had some rough experiences, but I'm not going to let those experiences define my future. It was bad enough that it was in my present and you messed up my present, but you're not about to have my future too. Write this down, giftedness has a responsibility. Whew. To whom much is given, much is required. To whom much is gifted, much is required. The greater the gift, the greater the requirement. You can't enjoy the gift and not meet the requirement. I'm going to say that again. You can't enjoy the gift and not meet the requirement. Some people want to drink up the gift and think they have no responsibility. But that's not true. The more that has been given to you, the more that's required of you. You were happy on the taking end, but not so happy on the giving end. That's not working for God. To he said, to whom much is given, much is required. I want you to shout the word required out. I want to talk to you about how you manage your gift and how you use your gift because a gift has to be managed even if the gift is an opportunity. You must steward that which has been entrusted to you, even if you didn't pay for it. You have to manage the gift given to you, even if it's an opportunity. So what are you going to do with what you've been given? Whether it's spoken or it's unspoken, here's what you want to write down. Every gift 
requires reciprocity. Every gift requires reciprocity. There is always, always, always reciprocity. You can't just be saying, my name is Henry and I want you to give me. No, Henry, when I get through giving to you, you gotta give something back to me. Because the principle said, too much is given, much is required. When mom and daddy gave me the 1981 Chevy Malibu, four-door sedan, also known as the grocery getter. They gave me the vehicle, but the requirement was I had to put my own gas in the tank and I had to pay insurance. And insurance for a young man is never cheap, especially when your first job is at Dairy Queen and you're making $2.50 an hour, wearing polyester bell-bottom brown slacks, white shirt and a cone paper hat, and an apron, and big glasses and a perm in your hair. Come on, somebody. I was a sight to behold. But I was in the 10th grade working my first job, making $2.50 an hour. Thank you for the gift, but there's a requirement. If you want the gift, you gotta keep some gas in the car and you gotta pay insurance on your vehicle so you can be even legal for less. You got to make sure that you are law abiding. Come on somebody and preach with me. Well, my name's Henry and I just want you to give it. No, Henry, if I give it to you, there is a requirement of you. If I give you a position, there is a requirement of you. If I give you a title, there's a requirement of you. If I give you a paycheck, there is a requirement of you. If I give you a benefit, there is a requirement of you. Why are you so quiet? Let me just preach in here. We live in a day where we want everybody to give us something and nothing in return. Turn. But the principle of God is that we have to give, and to much is given, there is a requirement. Preaching there, drums. Let me preach to somebody. I hear to tell clash a loud symbol to us to know today that we've got to be responsible for what we've been entrusted. To him, much is given, much is required. So, what is required of me for the giftings that I have? It's certainly for not for me to just sit on my hind end, smile, and look wonderful the rest of my life. Let me give you a scripture. Do you remember the parable in Matthew chapter 25? And the Bible says that the man gave out the talents. Matthew 25. He gave out the talents to the servants and he didn't give out the same amount. To one he gave five, to the other he gave two, and to the other one he gave one. And the Bible said that he, after he had done that, he went away. This is what the Bible said. He gave five, he gave two, and he gave one. To who? To every man according to what? His several ability. And then the master left. He straightway left them. Here's what God does. He gives it to you on the basis of your ability to handle it. God gives you what you can handle. 
Quit trying to get someone else's gift. You can't handle it. Only your gift can you handle. And even then you have to be tried. And even then you have to be proven. <laughs> he gives you your gift on the basis of what you can handle. God gives it to you according to your ability. Too much is given, much is required. And the very fact that he gives it to you is an indication that he has assessed your ability. He knows what you can handle. That's where the Bible says in the New Testament, in the selecting of deacons, when he says, let a deacon be proven, let him prove his ministry. You see, you don't get a title and then start doing it. You do it long before you ever have a title. Interesting to people that come to me and say, bless God, pastor, God called me to preach. I had a dream, I saw myself before a sea of a million people. And I'm thinking to myself, you don't even show up to church on time. You don't even keep your dishes washed. You don't even keep the oil in your car changed and God's called you where? Let me tell you, you will serve long before in the trenches, uh, stacking chairs uh, and stacking tables uh, and sweeping vacuums uh, and, and carpets and working in restrooms and nurseries uh, and working and helping God's people in the parking lot. Ever before you hold a microphone in your hand, you've got to have a toilet brush anointing. You've got to be able to say, I have labored and God has found me faithful. He is an indication he has assessed your ability. Whatever he's given you, it's an indication of what you can handle. So get your eye off of everybody's ministry and their marriage and their spouse. He wouldn't give it to you if he didn't believe you could handle it. Notice what happens. He gives it to them according to his several ability. Isn't it interesting how this is translated to us? Straightway, immediately, he left them. Oftentimes the boss will give you a job and then walk off to see if you're able to do the job. And how you act when the boss is away, whatever's in you is coming out of you. And interesting, you give somebody a 10 cent raise and they think they're the boss of everybody on the plant. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 16, the Bible says, then he that received the five talents went and traded with the same and made him another five talents. Look at that mentality. Come on, I'm, uh, we got some digging here. Look at this mentality. I'm gonna take it. I'm not just gonna take it and hold on to it. I'm gonna take it and turn it into something. He gave me five talents. I'm gonna take it and turn it into something. And then we read verse 17. And likewise, he had received two. He also gained another two. I want you to catch this. So even when, he, even though he didn't have as much, he was working with what he had on his level. Work with what you have on your level. Because I'm telling you, if you get somebody else's, it'll be too heavy for you and you'll quit early. Look at verse 18. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. In other words, he didn't do anything with it other than he hid it. I want to ask you a question this morning. Have you hidden something 
that God has given you? Have you hidden the very thing that God was going to use to answer your prayer? Sitting on it and saying, well, I didn't get as much as they got. I've been in the church a lot longer than they have. I can't sing like so-and-so, I guess I just won't sing. I can't type like so-and-so, so I just won't type. I can't play a guitar like so-and-so, so I just am not gonna play anything. I can't build like they can build, so I'm just not gonna do anything at all. Sitting on it, just sitting on it. You should be excellent on your level. You should be excellent with everything you have. Well, if you've been trusted with one, you've been trusted with two, you've been trusted with five, you should be excellent with all that you have. Brother two said, I might not get 10, but I can take this two and turn it into a four. I can be excellent with what I've got. Listen to his mindset. It wasn't just about taking it and holding it. It was about taking it and increasing it. And then when he increased it, he turns it back over into the hands who gave it to him that's what's called reciprocity come on and shout with me but wait a minute pastor if he had five and he made ten and the householder came and he gave him the whole ten then what good did it do him because if you read the text it brought him into another dimension when you use what God gives you and you multiply it where you are. We're not gonna buy you any more chairs until you fill the chairs you've got. And the result is when you give it back, you open up another dimension. I'd like to thank God for every time I had returned something back that God was opening up another level for me. Ooh, my flesh didn't like it. My natural didn't like it. When God said, give it back to me. But I'm so thankful that the word said, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. I'll cause men to give unto your bosom. I'll cause somebody to bring you exactly what you need. But it's the principle. If I could preach the principle this morning, it's reciprocity. You can't just be a taker, Bethel. You can't just sit here on the pew and soak and never do nothing. You just can't come and say, I clocked in, I'm done. I did my, no, 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 no. It don't work like that. It's a principle. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. You have to give. And when God gives you something, you turn around and give it back to him and he takes you up into another dimension. Somebody said, prove it to me. Here's the verse, verse 21. And his Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of of the Lord because you have been proven to be profitable. He said, enter thou into the joy. You enter into another level when you return to God, my God, when you're faithful. I'm celebrating with Eddie and Karen Jones who this morning are celebrating 18 years 
of pastoral ministry in Rolla, Missouri. And I sent them word and said, God bless you. Thank you for your investment in the kingdom of God because it is an amazing thing to stand the test of time as a pastor today in today's world, dealing with today's mindset. It's different than it was in my daddy's generation. And we're dealing with every hellish spirit you can even think of even in the church, my God. But I said, thank you for investing. They've given 18 years of their life in one location. It's almost unheard of. But I come to tell you that if you'll put a seed in the ground and you'll wait for the harvest, when you collect that harvest, you don't take it to yourself. You return it back to God and say, that's reciprocity. Let me just encourage some of you young adults, when you finally get your job that we prayed for you to get, when you get to your education that we prayed with you to get, when we asked for all that funding and all that, all that came through for you, don't forget the church. When you get on the other side and you start making six figures, put your talent in the ground. Put your seed in the ground and let a harvest come back for the kingdom of God. And you know what God will do? He'll take you into a promotion. He'll take you into another level. God's not working with tight-fisted people. He's working with open-handed people who understand reciprocity. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Look at somebody and say, I'm tired of stingy people. Some of you wouldn't do that. It's okay, Karen. It's okay. Paul said, forgive me if I've offended you. Sorry, Liam. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 11, it says this. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Are you profitable? Does someone want you around because your very presence is profitable? Are you a completer or a drainer? People never let go of anything that profits them. I don't have time to flesh this out, Brother Greg. I don't have time. People never let go of anything that's profitable to them. Are you profitable? Do you understand that when God gives you something, you're supposed to turn it into something? You're supposed to not only see it as it is, but see it as it shall be. He gives your faith something to work on. This is how you get up without depending on somebody to help you up. Because you understand he gave me something to work on. I want to introduce a couple of guys to you that I think fit good in this space right here. One of them is named Bill Bowerman and the other one is Phil Knight. Bill Bowerman and Phil Knight may not be big names to you. They're not like Abraham Lincoln, Martin Luther King, Ella Fitzgerald. They're not like Billy Graham. Because we have a tendency to celebrate speaking gifts, sports gifts, singing gifts, but we don't always celebrate thinking gifts. But Bill Bowerman and Phil Knight had thinking gifts. And they not, may not be famous because they don't have the gifts that appear flashy, marketable, opulent, essent. They're not that kind of gift. But they had thinking gifts. Phil Knight and Bill Bowerman. 
And I know it was a gift because they didn't even have the academics in the background for which they pursued. There was no data to suggest that it was possible to do what they dreamed, what they thought. In other words, their gift was taking them where no man had gone before them. And it's easy to retrace somebody else's steps. But when you have a thinking gift, a mental gift, a creative gift, you see the invisible. You see treasure where other people see trash. Bill Bowerman and Phil Knight had the going in of a thinking gift in their mind. When they looked at a waffle iron and a tennis shoe and each of them put in $500 investing $1,000 into the start, they formed a company called Nike, the largest sportswear company in the world, billion dollar industry. It started with someone who had a thinking gift. They didn't have the funding. They were turned down by banks. Read it for yourself, just not right now. <laughs> Couldn't get nobody to back them. So they each gave what they had, a waffle iron and a dirty tennis shoe. $500 each between them to reach $1,000. I come to ask you this morning, are you investing in your dream? Are you investing in your gift? Are you waiting for everybody to give you a handout? Are you waiting for another stimulus check? Ooh, it's quiet in here. Are you waiting? Oh, I'm not, con I'm not one bit, uh, one bit. If they decide to give me a stimulus, bring it on. Uh, but I'm here to tell you whether I get it or whether I don't, he is still the lifter of my head and my help in the time. I'm not waiting on somebody to do what I gotta do for myself. I gotta get my rusty tail up off the couch and get out and make a living. Are you willing to feed what's feeding you? Or are you going to stay on the dimension of thinking that you have always been on just so you can keep company with the same friends? Do you dare to take the risk to jump out of the box, to cross the line and say, God has given me a gift. No, it may not be a recording gift. It may not be a singing gift. It may not be a speaking gift, but it is a gift. My personality is a gift. I'm not talking about being rich or famous. I'm talking about living a T3 life where you maximize your life. I'm not trying to point you to Hollywood today, I'm not trying to make you a millionaire. I'm talking about, can you just maximize your life at 46241? Can you just maximize where you are? Can you get the max for the minimum? Come on, out of TJ Maxim. Come on now, let me preach in here with fun. I'm challenging you that are gifted among us to wake up. I'm challenging the members of Bethel, wake up. I'm challenging you in the year of 2020, the year of two open hands, wake up. 
up. Believe that God, God's not done with me. I'm challenging you. Wake your gift up and realize God called you. He's not done with you. You're not through yet. You're not through yet. You don't have the right to say when you're going to quit. You don't get to say, I quit. Every time you wake up in the morning and breathe air, you are responsible for the air you're breathing. It is called reciprocity. You got to do with what you have. I don't care if you're 90 or if you're nine years old, you have a responsibility to do something with your gift. If you stop moving, you're gonna die. Every day you wake up and breathe air, you have to begin moving and fulfilling your work. Tell three people, join the team. Join the team. Join the team. This is how we praise the Lord, my God. This is how we praise the Lord by doing something with what he gave us. I return to him thanks with the gift he gave me. I don't care if you dance till your feet come off. If you don't do something with what he gave you, you are not a praise unto God until your work praises him. You're not a praise to God until you work what he gave you to give him praise. Does it make sense? I can't sit on my hands. Bill Bowerman and Phil Knight gathered the gift and started a corporation. Do you realize that the church survives because we have a gathering of the gifted? You are gifted. You are gifted. We survive because we have a gathering of the gifted. It's not one musician, it's several. It's not one artist, it's several. It's not one choir member, it's several. You'd be surprised what the gifted are doing right now to make this service happen. Some of us just walked in, sat in our chair, and said, bless me if you can. And there are people who have been working all week to make this happen. There are IT people making sure that we are streaming correctly so the rest of our church who are not here are able to watch. And not only that, making sure that nobody's hacking into our life. There are cameramen. Come on, give God praise for that. There are cameramen, directors and coordinators. Someone right now is switching camera shots this way, that way, up there, down there. There's security people moving through here. There are medical people here. There's somebody tweeting and responding to tweets on Facebook and all kinds of stuff. While I'm up here doing what I'm doing. Beverly and I didn't get here by ourselves. It's a gathering of gifted people. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. Right now, somebody's setting up for another meeting that'll take place at another time. Someone may be moving chairs, stacking tables to make sure that ministry goes on utilizing their gifts. You might 
not be an entrepreneur. You might be somebody who helps an entrepreneur, but you need to be around people who have purpose, who have meaning, and who have life. It's time for you to start gathering with the gifted rather than sitting with the dysfunctional. Tell your neighbor, join the team. I'm almost done, but I may die before today's over, so let me get this out too. In order for this to happen, you've got to package yourself right. Say that with me, package yourself right. They told me when I applied for jobs that you have to dress for, what is it? Success. You don't just show up at a, at a job site looking all scrungy and your V-neck looks like a U-neck. You don't show up shabby. You, you don't show up with holes in your jeans and your underwear hanging out, wearing a size 5X shirt and you're a small. You don't show up sloppy. You dress for where you're going. You just don't throw gifts at people just any old kind of way. And you are a gift. I said, you don't just throw gifts at people any old kind of way. How many of you know somebody who stopped wrapping presents and now when they give you a gift, it's in a shopping bag? Don't point at anybody. How many know someone? Come on, somebody. They have stopped wrapping the presents. Now they just give it to you in a shopping bag. And many of you are laughing because you already know. They just hand it to you and say, here. And it's nice and everything like that. It's, I'm thankful. But everyone else is handing out gifts that are wrapped with laser precision, a beautiful tight bow, all the thought behind it. And they come in the room with a brown paper bag and say, I didn't feel like wrapping it. Here you go. It kind of kills the joy in it. Come on. Because in order to fully appreciate the gift, it has to be packaged right and I'm not questioning are you gifted I'm questioning are you packaged right for where you're going I wish somebody would hear me today are you packaged right for where you're going I'm not questioning your gift but I am saying that if you're a brown bagger and you just throw your gift any old way that it's not going to be received by everybody. I see people all the time who have wonderful talents, but they are poorly packaged. I'm trying to help somebody. If you're not packaged right, you don't maximize your potential.
most people package themselves based on where they were rather than where they're going. But you've got to package for where you're going. You've got to package for where you're going. You're a gift. You've got to wrap yourself up tight. You've got to package for where you're going. You don't hear me. Tell your neighbor, wrap it up. Wrap it up. I don't have time to get into all this, but can I just give you an example? You don't see any of these professional men in here today. You don't see any of these professional men with their pants drooped down to the knee, showing their dirty underwear, with a shirt way too big for them. Oh, it's quiet in this room. You can't dress from where you were. You got to dress for where you're going. You got to wrap it up. You got to wrap it up. Can I just encourage somebody? Say, wrap it up. You got to dress for success. If you want people to appreciate your gift, you've got to present your gift in a classy, attractive uh, a way, the way that a father teaches his son how to dress, wear yourself a belt. We don't want to see your underwear. We don't want to see none of that. Pull it up. Pull it up. Listen, you don't see any professional men in this room dressed like that. And some of you will say, well, pastor, I thought this was a welcoming church. We sure are. We're trying to help you to get somewhere. Because if you dress like where you've been, you'll never dress like where you're going. Yeah. Thank you for that one amen. I'll take it. I told you I didn't have time to get into that, but I'm trying to get you to understand it is very important how you dress for success, and I'm not even talking about the natural. Because when you are wrapped right, I got you to hear, hear me before you close, before you go on to social media and tune me out, listen to me. Before we leave today, when you are wrapped right, you are not afraid to sit amongst other gifted people. When you are wrapped right, you are not afraid to sit amongst gifted people. You are prepared for the occasion and ready to step into the moment because you're wrapped right. The only time you don't feel good about yourself is when other people are packaged and you are not. People who do not wrap their gifts don't put them under the tree. It's not because the present isn't any good. It's because they're not packaged. When a present is packaged right, it can be displayed among other gifts that are packaged right and it can be seated and shine. I'm trying to get you to understand God wants you to be a T3 maximum life Christian leader, father, mother, who gives God an equal proportion of their time, their talent, and their treasure and understand that every good and perfect gift cometh down from above, from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness or shadow of turning. When you're packaged right, you can take your place amongst other people 
and be okay. Pastor Wayne doesn't have to be intimidated by my worship. He worships like he worships. I worship like I worship. Ben can play like he plays. All the drummers can be who they are because they know who they are. When you're packaged right, you can sit amongst the gifted and never have to worry of whether you fit. Because we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. I've come to tell you today, God wants you to maximize your life. He has given you a good gift. He has given you a perfect gift. It came from above. It came personally from the Father of lights. There's no variableness in him. There's no shadow of turning in him because he has never one time changed his mind about you. He has called you gifted. You have to do something with it. You have to decide, I'm going to be a T3 Christian. I'm going to give God my time, my talent, and my treasure. A believer who lives with reciprocity in everything that they do. You cannot be a taker and a, without be also a giver in the kingdom of God. You can't just attend this church. You have to give and serve because growing Christians are serving Christians. This is your time. This is your season. This is your moment. And this is your opportunity today to determine I'm not going to hide my gift anymore. I'm not going to walk it down anymore. I'm not going to bury it anymore. I'm going to package what God gave me and present it to the world in reciprocity. I'm going to be his hands and his feet, his mouth. I'm going to give what's been given to me. No matter how old you are, I'm about to turn 50, half a century. Good Lord, have mercy. And I'm just coming into my step got a few gray hairs, Sister Sharon. I got a few whiskers with gray in it now. I'll put on a few pounds, none of your business how much. But I still feel the strength of Caleb who God gave him a mountain. Took him a long time to get the mountain. But when God gives you a promise, he won't return negative on it because in him there's no variableness in everything that you prayed for and you believed for in him there is no variableness in him there is no shadow of turning God's going to put you in a place where you can now return to him and say God thank you I give this back to you and you know what God will do He'll say, I'm glad the gift don't own you, but the giver of the gift does. And he'll return blessing upon your life as you continue to flow in reciprocity. Give and it shall be given unto you. I'm going to ask you to be a T3 Christian today. I'm going to ask you to take that stand in your life for your family, for you. As your head is bowed for a moment. 
you would say today I'm determined to become what God wants me to be. The greatest gift that God could ever give mankind is the gift of salvation. When the Bible said that he God so loved this, God so loved the world that he gave. The very first giver, God, who gave his only begotten son that we would not perish, but we would have everlasting life. And when God gives you the gift of salvation, it is free to those who ask, but it cost Jesus his earthly life to return to us what was lost in the Garden of Eden through the inception of sin, of the knowledge of good and evil. That God would, through Jesus' own blood, restore the hand of divinity and the hand of humanity and bring us back into kindred relationship where once again we could walk with God in the cool of the day. Today, the gift of salvation is given to you. It's given to me. What are you going to do with this gift? The greatest thing that you could do today is to acknowledge and honor God by receiving the gift and say, thank you, Lord, for dying for me so that I may live for you. Thank you for taking the worst so that I may have the best. Thank you for taking the curse so that I could get the blessing. Today, I'm going to live my life for you as a T3 Christian with my time, my talent, my treasure. I'm going to live a life devoted unto you today. If you're here today, and maybe you have run from God. You're watching today. You're here watching. And God's speaking to you about your soul, where you're going to spend eternity. Then I'm going to ask you today to acknowledge Jesus because that what you hear and feel happening inside of your chest, that is God's spirit talking with you. That's him nudging your heart. That's him speaking to you in waves of love, in, lo in, 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 in embraces. And he's acknowledging that he loves you today. And I want you to ask Jesus to come into your heart. Ask the Lord to forgive you of all your sin. I don't care how long this takes. This is for somebody today. You have been backslid, maybe away from God. You ran with God for a while and you turned back into the world. And maybe the things of the world have left you like that son who was prodigal, who made a decision, I will arise and go back to my father's house. He made a decision. Would you make that decision today, friend, to acknowledge Jesus as your Savior? I want everyone that will to pray this prayer with me. Repeat after me if you will. Say, Dear Lord, I come to you today in need of a Savior. I acknowledge my sin. I acknowledge my waywardness. And I want to come home. I want you to live in me. I want the joy that you have. I need the forgiveness. And I ask you to forgive me. And your word says that you would. And so I'm asking you to cleanse me from all sin and make me brand new again. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. 